Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Share something with you real quick. You'll remember that a few weeks ago, we did a series of meetings for uh, people interested in possibly fostering or being support families, right? And uh, let me just give you a good report, right? Because let me just remind you what scripture says, that pure religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans, right? To take care of those who have been forgotten, to take care of those who have been overlooked. And so one of the things we set out this year to do as a church among all five campuses is to focus on that group of people. And so I wanna give you a report. 57 potential new foster families are individuals. Fifty-seven couples or individuals said, I am ready to take the next step in fostering. That's huge. And then 70 couples or families or people signed up to be, uh, to assist foster families and just serve them. It's amazing. tell you this for two reasons. Number one, because this is what it means to be part of a church. That the effectiveness of the church is not what happens in here today. Even though when I'm done preaching my message, you'll be blown away and just wowed. (laughs) But the effectiveness of the church isn't in this room. It's what we do when we leave here. I'm just thankful to be a part of a church that's making a difference. The second reason I tell you that is because this this coming Saturday, we are hosting us, partnering with Love Acadiana, we're having a foster care serve blitz to bless foster families in our church. We have We already have foster families in all five of our campuses and we're gonna take next Saturday and just be a blessing to them. We need lots of hands, but especially if you're skilled in painting, landscaping or construction, they really need you. There's also an option to help prep on Friday by priming and painting. So I think there's a, you can scan that if you're interested in more information and that will give you what you need. And let me just remind you, as always, there's three ways to give here at our Savior's Church. You can give right here in person as the offering containers pass. You can also give online at OurSavior'sChurch.com forward slash give. And then you can give, you can use the text to give feature if that works best for you. Hey, can we pray and ask God to bless this offering? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your generosity that's been extended toward us. Lord, thank you that you not only made a difference in us, but you've called us to make a difference in others.
Lord, today we partner with the local church by bringing our tithes and our offerings. Lord, that your name might be preached, but that your love might be felt in our community. Lord, we thank you today that you said when we walk in obedience to your word, that we also walk in a blessing. And I pray that you bless every gift and every giver. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so y'all pray for Pastor Scott. They just moved into their new house. And uh, I haven't seen it, but Tara helped them move. And she came home saying, I know I'm not supposed to covet, but I'm coveting. I'm girl, girl, just be glad with what you got. Hey, so we are wrapping up. This is Ephesians part seven. Are y'all warm? My gosh, I thought it was just me. Um, So we're wrapping up Ephesians chapter one. This is part seven. We're wrapping up the first chapter of Ephesians. So Pastor Scott last week started a three-part sermon, but only did two parts. And so I'm doing the third. All right. So I'm doing the third point of his three-point sermon as we wrap up. Um, The problem is he didn't, he must've just thought, felt really confident because he not only didn't do it, but he also didn't write the sermon. So I'm like, you could have at least given me a sermon to preach. So I want to just begin by saying this. The message that I'm going to preach today that I've entitled, I've Got the Power. I try to be creative like Pastor Scott. So the message I'm preaching today is for two groups of people. And you really need to ask yourself which group you fit into. Because really, the first group is, this message is really only for believers. This message is only for people who have made Christ their Savior, who have repented of their sins and asked Christ to come in and be their Lord and Savior. The things that we'll talk about today aren't for everyone. They are only for believers. And so this sermon today is, first of all, for believers, But secondly, it's also for unbelievers because I pray that when you begin to hear what God has made available to believers, that if you've never surrendered your heart to Christ, that at the end of this service, you're going to want to. Not because of preaching, but because of the power that is found in this word. And so don't tune it out. If if you're, well, I'm not a believer. No, listen. You're going to have an opportunity before you leave here today to simply say yes to Christ as Savior so that you can walk in all that God has for you. Can we pray? Father, today we come before you in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word and the power that is found therein. Lord, today as we walk through This passage, God, we pray that you would literally illuminate your word to us as believers. And Father, that you would anoint it to those who have yet to say say yes to you as Savior. 
Or you said it is the anointing of God that breaks yokes of bondage. It's not great worship. It's not great preaching. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we do what we can do, you would do what only you can do. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. So, again, my prayer for us today is that, that we will hear what is available to us as believers and to believers only, and that you will understand how God sees you because he's entrusted his power into you. Listen, there are things that you can come to my house and eat dinner, but you're not getting any inheritance when I die. Right? You can come hang out. You can borrow my car, depending. Not, all, not any of you. But some of you can borrow my car. But I'm not buying you a car when you turn 16 like I will for my kids. Right? Why? Because you're not my family. You may be my friends, and I may know your name, but you're not my family. And there are things that God has that are reserved for his family. It doesn't mean he doesn't like those who aren't in the family or he doesn't know those that are in the family, but there are some things that are just for those that are in the family. So Pastor Scott began to preach last week on the three things that Paul wanted the Ephesians to know and the same three things that God also wanted us to know. They not only apply to the apostle Paul, no, they apply to us as well. I'm going to read Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, I'm going to remind you of some of the things Pastor Scott said last week before we wrap up this chapter. Paul writes, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Pastor Scott basically shared two main points with us last week. First of all, he shared with us what God has called us to. What God has called us to is salvation and redemption. That we once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see. And not only has he saved us, but he's also redeemed us. Listen, we could spend the afternoon telling stories about things that we messed up as unbelievers that God has now redeemed as believers. Right? So he talked to us about what God has called us to. And then secondly, He told us about what God wants us to know. This was such an important point that he made that you really, really, really need to hear. What has God called us to? He has called us to be his inheritance. Listen, we are God's inheritance and he delights in us. He doesn't just put up with us, Pastor Scott said. No, he delights in us and he rejoices over us. 
Listen, I don't know what other people spoke over you, but if it doesn't line up with the word of God, don't believe it. They may be your family, but they weren't your creator. I begin to think about some of the verses of scripture that I, I, I go to sometimes because, you know, we all deal with kind of some insecurity and different things. And there are times when I got to remind myself of how God sees me. And I don't have these on the screen, but I'm just going to, can I just walk you through a few of these? Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Listen, God loves us so much that he sent his only son to come to earth, to live among us, to die for us so that we could go from lost to found. He sacrificed his own son for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. I know maybe you're here and you're thinking, I don't know, sometimes I feel like God's forgotten about me. Can I just tell you that there are times as parents, if you're a parent, you'll know what I'm talking about. There are times as a parent that I'm quick to fix something for my children and there are times as a parent, I step back and let it work itself out. Right? Why? Because I want them to mature. I want them to learn how to do things for themselves, right? And the other thing is, I don't know about you, but I don't like spoiled kids. <clears throat> you, know how, you know some of those kids that are spoiled, right? They get everything they want, and then they show up around your house or around your church or whatever, and they, want, they expect you to spoil them too? I ain't spoiled them. I'm not playing that game. I don't, I don't want my kids to be spoiled, so I don't give them everything they want, and I don't fix all the trouble they get themselves into. And there are times when God knows exactly what you're going through, but he steps back and he lets you work through it because he wants you to grow in your faith and he doesn't want you to be some spoiled kid. First Peter chapter three, listen, for the Lord is watching his children and listening to their prayers. He not only sees you, but he hears you. Isaiah 49, 16 says this. God says, I have written your name on the palm of my hand. Do you remember junior high? Right? Remember that girl who was so cute and you'd write her name? You're weird. If, you, if you're a guy, girls should write names in their hand, not boys. But you remember you wrote your, their name in your hand or on your notebook a hundred different ways and you just thought, I can't wait till we grow up and can get married. And then she dumped you. And then you see her now and you're so thankful. Pastor Scott would have never said that. <laughs> God says he loves us so much that he writes his name in the palm. He writes our name in the palm of his hand. Isaiah 62, 5, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Listen. God doesn't just put up with us. He delights in us and rejoices over us. You know why? Because we are his kids. Yeah. And he thinks we're cute. <laughs> and today we're going to wrap up the first chapter. Looking at what God gives to those who believe. 
It's found right here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. When Paul writes, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? The first point last week was what has God called us to? He's called us to salvation and redemption. The second point was what does God want us to know? He wants us to know that we are his and he loves us. And then lastly, what does God give to those who believe? He gives the immeasurable greatness of his power to us as believers. Here's what you need to know. He is not telling us to go figure out how to get the power. He's not telling us that you need to start working to try to find the power. He's telling us the power is available. You just got to say yes to it. And sometimes we don't walk in the power of God because we haven't put ourselves in a position where we need the power of God. You know these new fancy buildings where everything is motion censored, all the lights, right? Yeah. When we did a, uh, we built the new church when I was on staff at Crossroads, we put those in all the offices. And you'd walk out and the lights would go off and you'd, listen, just because the light is off doesn't mean there's not power. Yeah. It just means no one needs the power and no one's accessing the power. If the light was off, it doesn't mean somebody didn't pay the bill. It doesn't mean power is shut. No, it just means no one is tapping into it. And I think that our world is a place where God needs us as believers to begin accessing his power, to begin tapping into his power. You don't need to find it. You just got to begin to walk in it because the power is there and it is for us as believers. Tara and I, a few months ago, went to New York, took the kids up to visit the Delinas, the Times Square Church, and you got to know the different, one of the differences between Tara and I, there's plenty of differences. <clears throat> she grew up on the north side. I grew up on the, on the south side. Yes, it was right uh, uh, past the underpass by four corners, but it's still the south side. <laughs> I have two, two, I have a pin code and a password. I just have one pin code. I have one four digit pin code and I have one password. My ATM is that pin code. My phone is that pin code. My house alarm is that pin code. It's just one. Why do you need multiple numbers? Just four numbers. That's it. And every Account I have has one password, the same password. You want to know what it is? I don't trust you one bit. <laughs> Not Tara. Tara's got a pass, different password for every account she has and a different pin code for everything she has. I don't have to, I can't focus on my golf game and remember all of that stuff. So we get to New York, 
And we were hurrying before we left. And so I said, let's just, we'll just get cash when we get to, the, when we get to New York. We'll get to the ATM and we'll get cash when we get there. So we go into this, into this bank lobby and there's an ATM. And all of a sudden, we're not the only ones. There's several people behind us. And then Tara can't remember the code. Right? And she's like, okay, try this one. It's not that one, Tara. If it was mine, we would know the code. Let me be in charge. And we, and then, you know what happened next, right? What happened? We got locked out. There was money there. We just couldn't access it. There is power there. You just got to access it. Not just power, but scripture says incomparably great power. The original language, when he talks about the power of God, it's, it, it, it refers to surpassing power, excelling power, or power that exceeds all others. We need to understand the importance of the power of God for us. Because without the power of God, what Pastor Scott preached on last weekend, without the power of God, there is no hope of salvation or, or redemption for us. And there is no inheritance for us as the saints of God. Daryl Bach, a theologian, said this, it is important to know that access to and calling on God's power is what enables believers to overcome whatever opposes us. Scripture says don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes and devices, right? That he roams around looking to see who he can devour. Listen, why would you take that on in your own power? In the little bit of power you pos we possess on our own when the power of almighty God is at our disposal. It's no accident that God's power is referred to as immeasurable power. And Paul isn't referring to some type of abstract or perceived power. No, it's God's visible, effective, life-changing power. I don't know about you, but I could tell some stories of times that I've seen God's power at work. And, and, and many of you can as well, whether it be through healings, or whether it be through a divine intervention situation, whether it be whatever, that I've seen the power of God work visibly. But maybe you're here today and you say, I've never seen the power of God. Well, I want to show you the power of God. Can I show you the power of God? Just look around you. You're looking at the power of God in the faces of the people sitting next to you. We once were lost, but now we're found. Not because of who we are or what we did to, to, to receive salvation, but because of who he is and the fact that he hung on a cross and was resurrected three days later so that we could walk in the power of God to salvation. This room is filled with the power of God. Paul wanted them to know, and he wants us to know this power. And Paul is about to show us 
five demonstrations of God's mighty power. He talks about the power, and then he gives us a picture of how powerful God is. Let's look at it in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Right here, Paul gives us five demonstrations of God's power that I just want to walk you through today. Because they're not only pertaining to Christ, but they're pertaining to us as believers. Verse verse 19, Paul said, according to. When he talks about God's power, he says, according to, or or power that is likened to, or, or alike So he goes, if you want to know how much power it took, or if you want to know what kind of power God has that is available to you, listen to these five things that God used his power to accomplish. Number one, God raised Jesus from the dead. It's right here, all five of these in this text that we just read. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And let me just remind us today that through the power of the resurrection, Christ wasn't only resurrected, but death was defeated. Death was defeated. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have a lot of scripture for you today. Galatians 2 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Listen, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. Listen, Christ was crucified. And when I said no to sin and yes to Jesus, I crucified my flesh, right? That old man. But I didn't, there wasn't just a crucifixion. No, there was also a resurrection, but just because just like I've put away that old man, I've been resurrected to a new life with Christ, right? That we, as believers, know what it is to have a crucifixion, to kill the old man, but we also know what it is to be resurrected to a new life with Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, listen, made us alive together with Christ, and by grace have you been saved. You have been saved. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. We are the benefactors of the resurrection of Christ. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, listen, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He then goes on to say this. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we have victory because Jesus totally fulfilled the law for us. If you're in Christ today, this is what happened to you. God has made you alive. A spiritual resurrection has taken place in your soul and God has given you new life from the dead. We don't have to fear death. Have you ever been at the bedside of a believer when they pass from this life into the next and seen the peace of God? Have you also saw, seen the opposite? The struggle and the fear and the resistance? Listen, as believers, we don't have to fear death. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 8 that says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. <coughs> to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The physical death of the believer isn't the end. It's a pathway to paradise with our Savior. Remember when Jesus got to the house of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, came out and said, Jesus, if you had been here sooner, our brother would not have died. Remember that? They're scolding Jesus. And what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. Though he dies, so shall he also live. Why? Because death is not the final hour. Death is not the finish. It's just the beginning to eternity with our Savior. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and listen, if you've said yes to Jesus, I, I just want to say this. I grew up in a time in the church when I was a kid. Listen, one sin and you were out. Some of you remember that, right? I got saved so many times, the pastor got tired of seeing me at the altar. He's like, son, what have you done? Like, how bad can you be? And my, my brothers and sisters were like, I'll tell you how bad he can be. <laughs> can I just tell you, that's not the heart of God. When Jesus got ready to tell us about how God views us. He told us the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He takes all that he has. He takes his inheritance early and he goes and he squanders it all. And this Jewish boy ends up in the, the pig pen, eating the same slop as the pigs. And then the Bible says, in that moment, he came to himself and said, the servants have it better at my dad's house than this. Can I just stop here for a second? Parents, one of the mistakes we make is we live trying to keep our kids out of the pig pen. And sometimes God can't reach them till they get in the pig pen. Sometimes that's what it takes for them to come to themselves and realize this isn't what I want to, this isn't how I want to live. And if you rescue them over and over and over again, they may never know the consequences of their actions. 
But you know what happens? The prodigal son says, I'm going home. And when he gets close, what does his dad do? His dad's waiting and he runs to him. You know why? Because he, he wanted relationship with the son. And what did he do? Because let me just tell you, if I'm the father of the prodigal son, he is getting a serious lecture. <laughs> I learned from my dad. And he could lecture a long time. He's getting a lecture. I'm putting some boundaries in place. Right? But what does the father do? He just celebrates him. Because God, wanted, God wants relationship with us. So number one, I got to hurry. God, ra- the, God raised Jesus from the dead. Secondly, he seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. As believers, we're seated with Christ. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he defeated death. And when he exalted him to his right hand, he exalted us as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For you have died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Not a physical death, but that death from being lost to saved. Number three, the third demonstration of his power is that he broke the power of Satan's rule and authority. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Think about this. God demonstrated his power by breaking the power of Satan's rule and authority. We are natural. And those evil forces are supernatural. But because Jesus abides in us as believers, we have power over the enemy. I know it may not feel like it all the time. But listen, the power of God is in us. Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Can I just tell you this? Every time you say no to temptation, you operate in the power that is available to you to overcome Satan. Every time you say no to temptation. Every time you say no to temptation, you're literally operating in the power of God. You remember what Jesus did there in the garden? Or Jesus did uh, in the wilderness where he overcame the temptations of Satan with the word of God. It's the power of God that also resides in you and I. Because Romans 8, 11 says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That's why Jesus, when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The fourth demonstration of his power is that all things were put under Christ's feet. 
All things, scripture says, demonic powers, disease, governments, militaries, presidents, kings. All things were put under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. This is the same as in verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Again, this power isn't given to everyone. It's given given to believers. And then the fifth and final demonstration of God's power is he miraculously empowered us to be his body in representation and in mission. I will say that again. He miraculously empowered us to be his body in representation and mission. Listen, Christ is filled by God and Christ in turn fills us. Christ is empowered by God and then Christ empowers us. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, where it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is for us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And listen to this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The fifth manifestation of the power of God is that he miraculously empowered us to be his body in representation and in mission. We represent Jesus and we are on mission. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And when I think about what Christ did to reach me and what Christ did to reach my family and the difference he made in us, why would I not want to share that with others? We are the visible manifestation of Jesus' presence in this fallen world. I just tell you, if you're a believer today, our lives should serve as a contrast to this world. They should see something different in us. Right? That doesn't mean you have to be weird. I'm going to clarify. Different. Christ is the expression of God. Listen, and we are the expression of Christ. I don't know about you, but to me, this is a huge responsibility. That how we do marriage, 
is a reflection of the one we call Savior. That how we raise our kids is a reflection of Christ. That the kind of employee that we are is a reflection of Christ. You know, my parents owned furniture stores and my daddy wanted to hire everybody from the church. And my mama didn't want to hire anybody from the church because they weren't good workers. If you call yourself a believer, your boss should see something different in you. He should see a different work ethic in you. And if you're an employer and you're a manager, your employees should feel something different from you. Through Christ, we have all that we need from God to be what we are called to be. You remember, years ago, somebody came out with this great phrase that said, You may be the only Bible some people read. It's true. It's true. Tomorrow, on your job, at the bank, at the ballpark, you may be the only reflection of Jesus that they see. And I just wonder, if we went to your neighbors and talked to them, or you went and talked to my neighbors, would they see anything different in us? Christ is the reflection of God, and we are called to be the reflection of Christ. And I gotta be honest, if I was God, I would not have chosen you to be a reflection of my son, right? Think about that. Let me just read a little, little verse of scripture. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I was thinking about two things. Last night as I was working through this, I, I know you find this hard to believe, but I, I'm not very athletic. I knew you would find that funny, that you don't believe it, I can tell. And when I was a kid growing up and it was time to choose teams, I didn't get chosen. We'd be at school and it'd be recess or it'd be lunch and they start choosing teams for baseball. You know how it is, the two biggest and most athletic kids that you hate. They were the captains and they would choose their friends and they would choose the best athletes. And I never really got chosen, I just got taken because I was the last one. But God saw something different in me just like he saw something different in 
you. Growing up, we had seven kids in our family. And you know how it is, every once in a while, my mom would come home with a new set of glasses. We had nice glasses at our house. We had some really nice crystal that was behind some doors, some glass doors, and we were saving those for good. If you measure how much good we had in our family by the times we used those glasses, there wasn't much good. Those were for good, and I guess we just didn't have good. But every once in a while, my mom would come home with a whole new set of glasses, and she would throw all the McDonald's cups away and all those old, you know, all those things, and she'd put the glasses, and she'd line them up in rows, and they'd really look good in the cabinet. But about three, four, five, six weeks later, somebody would finish the peanut butter and they would put the jar in the sink and the jar would go from the sink to the dishwasher and the dishwasher to the cabinet. Sometimes the peeling, the label was still on it, right? And then you had this weird peanut butter jar with all those other glasses. But that was just the first because then somebody would finish the jelly and that would go in the same progression. And not long later, you look in the cabinet and there's all these nice glasses with the peanut butter jars and the jelly jars and the Ronald McDonald cups. And that's a picture of us. Because, you know, let's be honest. We all know those people that are like those crystal glasses that we save for good. They look nice and pretty. And they know the right things to say at the right time. I don't want to push this too far, but we also know some peanut butter jars. Right? But therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. And it doesn't matter if you're crystal or if you're a peanut butter jar. God chooses you because he sees in you what maybe nobody else sees. And you may not get chosen on a field, but you're chosen by the creator of the universe because he sees good in you. I don't know your story, but I know this, that God is here today. And if you haven't said yes to him, he's literally just waiting. He's waiting for you to bring what you have and he's gonna give you what he has and he's gonna put it together and use it for his good. Other people may have said you're worthless. God said you're worth the price of his only son. Would you bow your heads? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. This message today was for believers. But it's available to everyone who says yes to Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 
verses 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> Religion makes it difficult to get to Jesus. Religion says you got to jump through hoops. But go back to the story of the prodigal son. The father didn't make it hard because he wanted relationship with the son. And Jesus doesn't make it hard for us because he wants relationship with us. And so he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I just want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. In just a minute, if you want to make a confession of faith, if you want to give your heart to Christ, if you want to be resurrected with Christ, to let the old you die and the new you live, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just a second. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not calling you forward. I'm not asking you to stand. I just want to pray a prayer with you. And everyone in this room wants to pray a prayer with you to celebrate the work of God in you because you are worth it. So right now, very simply, if you want to make Christ your Savior, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. Just lift your hand right where you are. Thank you. 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 You can put your hands right back down. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm asking every believer in this room to pray along in support of you today. Listen, this prayer is not magical. It's not the prayer that saves you. I'm just leading you in a prayer to help you articulate what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart right now. Can we pray together out loud? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all of my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.